A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. When the day of Pentecost came, the disciples were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in their own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this was spoken this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second reading is from Paul's letter to the church in Rome, chapter 8, starting at verse 14. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. 
Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and we will be satisfied. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and still you do not know me? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? These words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father, living in me, who is doing this work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he lives with you, and he will be in you. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please will you be seated. Well, stories are wonderful, aren't they? And Chris, thank you for being so brave and sharing a bit about your dad this morning. It's Pentecost Sunday. And uh, it's normal on Pentecost Sunday to talk about the Holy Spirit. I want actually this Sunday, and I'm going to talk about the Holy Spirit, but I want to go, if I may, to Luke's Gospel and to chapter 11 uh, in Luke. And here Jesus tells a rather interesting story about need, about um, desperate need in the culture of his day. He's taught his disciples about the Lord's Prayer. He goes on to say, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me. I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door's already locked. My children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of his friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. We miss the point of that story very often, and it is this, that it begins with a profound sense of need. In the hospitality culture of the Middle East, Here's a guy, he has an unexpected visitor, comes to him at midnight, and he has absolutely nothing in the larder. He's got no resources, nothing left to put in front of his friend. And that, quite frankly, is a complete disaster. And that's where Jesus starts when he starts teaching about the Holy Spirit. The journey starts when we discover our own personal emptiness. Our larder is empty. Somebody comes to us with a huge need and we have nothing. We look inside for some resources, some comfort, some words of wisdom, and there is nothing there. There's nothing left. 
What do we do about it? Well, we go to the person who has bread in this instance. And I wonder if Jesus isn't playing on words. Bethlehem, where he was born, means the house of bread. He said of himself, I am the bread of life. I am its very meaning. And in this little parable, he goes on to talk at the end of it. The point of this parable is, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? More or less? Is he less keen or more keen to get out of bed, wake himself up, go to his own larder, get resources and give them to us? Much, much more. Because of his audacity, because he absolutely will not give up. Therefore, his neighbour said, I've got to get rid of this pest before I have a completely sleepless night. I will supply his need. And Jesus here is continuing his talk about our relationship with God and our prayer life. So it begins with a recognition of our need. I remember when I was at theological college thinking, help, I'm going to end this conveyor belt, of course, and they're going to snap a dog collar on me And then suddenly, I'm going to be this person who's terribly holy, terribly close to God, knows what's on God's heart all the time, and can provide everything that anybody needs spiritually. And I thought, I haven't got that. It's just not there. Hardly know him myself. I'm only just beginning on the journey. Where do I go? And of course the answer is, And always will be a relationship with the Holy Spirit. It's very interesting to notice the difference between the disciples' behaviour before Pentecost and after Pentecost. If you want to see a real transformation of team and character, uh, read through the end of the Gospels, the arguments, the fights, the tiffs about who's the greatest, who's the most important Who's going to deign to wash the feet of the rest of them? A task that only the meanest of servants would do. Not me, they say to each other. I'm much better than him, as they look round the room. And then after Pentecost, those squabbles have gone. And there's this united love for Jesus, passion to see him glorified. Well, it's interesting that Jesus doesn't stop there with just need And persistence. He goes on to talk about fear. Now why on earth should he talk about fear and the Holy Spirit? Why is he doing that? Why is he, in a sense, putting them together? You say, what what do you mean he's talking about fear? Well, he goes on to say this. I say to you, ask, it will be given to you. Seek, you will find. Knock, the door will be opened to you. Keep persisting. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish we'll give him a snake instead. Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? More or less? So, he takes this weird thing, and we had a wonderful portrayal of a dad who wasn't the best this morning. And those of you who are dads, uh, if, you, uh, if you can go back that far, you remember when it was just a bump. And if, like me, we're s- sitting there thinking, 
golly, will I be any good at this father business? It's so daunting. Uh, and at, at the moment, it's kind of, it belongs to her, not to me. Will I have any love there? And you look inside and you can't see very much reserve love. And then the child is born and you are overwhelmed, well certainly I was, uh, with love for this little scrap. And then it, uh, in our case it happened again and I thought, oh golly, you know, I haven't got room for any more love. I've got love for Susie, I've got love for Tom. Where's the next lot going to fit? Where's it going to come from? And Michael was born. And you're overwhelmed with love. And um, if we as, as human parents, and Jesus take on us in our humanities, if you being evil know how to give good gifts, how much more will your heavenly father? And he's trying to get us to use logic. He's trying to say, look, if as human beings you can do good things, do you think God would ever, ever even consider doing a bad thing to you? Would it even cross the mind of the Almighty as a cloud on the horizon? Not a chance. Not a chance. And so he's saying you can trust your Heavenly Father totally, completely and utterly in the surrender of yourself to being filled with his Holy Spirit. There is no fear in love. So really the point of this passage is, Father, please give me your spirit. That's the prayer of Luke 11, 1 to 13. That encapsulates, if you like, the Lord's prayer which begins that chapter. Father, give me your Holy Spirit. And I don't think we could pray a better prayer than that on Pentecost Sunday. Father, give me your Holy Spirit.